is the Last Minute Blues Podcast with Jeff Burton, Donnie Fandango, and former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers. It is the Last Minute Blues Podcast for Jamie Rivers and Jeff Burton, Donnie Fandango, and Alex Ferrario. Look at that. See, I hosed up the intro last time. I came back and redeemed myself today. I feel good about it. It's because we did it on a, on a Wednesday, Donnie. If this was a Friday, I think it would have been another rough go. You know what? It really, truly is a crapshoot. I mean, there's. <laughs> I'd love to like say that it has to do with professionalism or something like that, but it really, it's it, really, it really doesn't. Every time I do a pregame throughout the season, I'm like, hey, it's uh, the middle of the season, when in reality, it could be the first game of the season. I just like to use the excuse. The thing, like, people will say, like, uh, people say to me, like, uh, when they find out that some of the shows that I, I don't know how much people know this, but when I'm on the point every day, I'm live every day. Mm-hmm. I'm live on the arch. I'm recorded every day. Right. All right. I don't know how many people you spoil know the magic. Donnie. I know. No, I know. Donnie runs from one studio <laughs> to the other studio and then runs in here and does a segment of the last minute blues podcast. And then back to the point, back to the arch. I think it's just better to be honest with people. I think it's 2023. What? I think people like have a fair idea that I'm not here all of the time. Donnie, this is the lying generation. You just lie, my man. Yeah, I guess I probably could have completely gotten away <laughs> no, with it too. No, come on. Tell them what you're c- telling c- them. C- no, no, no. I was just saying like, I think I even forgot my freaking point at this particular stage of the game. But no, no, no. I just like to like kind of let the warts, uh, I, I kind of like to leave them there. I know that there are a lot of people that like when they record their shows and stuff, they want to try to make everything exactly perfect. But like if, if I'm trying to do anything exactly perfect, it, one, it's never going to happen. It's never going to be perfect. And like, you know, man, like I think part of my quote unquote charm from time to time <laughs> is when I absolutely hose it up and completely own it. You know what I mean? I mean, makes you more of a real person. I think so, man. man. I used to get it. I'm sure you were this way too. Like the first couple of years in broadcasting when I was at Cam- and to get filling in, I used to beat myself up so much when yeah. I would make a mistake. Like, because when I would get to fill in on the Blues pregame and I would do from start to finish pregame and I would mess up one segment, the rest of the show would suck because I would go home and just be like, God, you suck at this. Stop it. Why are you doing this? Like, mentally, it messes you up, man. And it's yeah. like, I don't know at what point I've, I got to the situation. Maybe it was 2019 on that cup run where I was like, I just need to make it entertaining. Yeah. You j- as long as you're entertaining, people won't care if you mess up. And I don't even know if I'm entertaining. I might just be annoying as all heck. But, like, you become a, a a more real person to individuals, I think, when you actually put those flaws out there. Yeah, man. You First of all, dude, and, and I thought this before we even met, just listening to you when you worked at KMOX, dude... I, one of the things I respect about you the most is that you can tell that you are prepared and ready for every time that. that you crack that goddamn microphone. Yeah. And that is something that you take seriously. Yeah. That it is not just this half-assed sort of, uh, well, I get to do this now when I'm here. Dude, I see it. I listen to it. I know what goes, and I, and I don't fully know what goes in the broadcast, but I know that you are prepared. And I think I got to a point in my radio career that I, dude, I just white knuckled everything. Yeah. Like everything. Did the same thing. Like I wore myself out just trying to make everything perfect or clever or what are these things. And the best thing that I ever did was, and I don't even know when it fully happened. And it might've just come with me growing up a little bit more. I don't know, but it got to the point where it's just like, 
the best version of me is when is not when I am being hypercritical of every single thing in which that I do. Mm-hmm. I know the music. I know the city. Just go and open the mic and freaking talk about it. Yep. And there's going to be times that you're going to suck. Like on Monday, I don't know, man. I just didn't have it in it's me. It's one of those days. I just wasn't great. Uh-huh. But back in the day, that would have kept me down for a couple of days. Yeah. And when I left the studio on Monday, I was like, thankfully I get another chance tomorrow. Yeah. You know, but, th- but you have to like, I don't think people realize, listen, Physically, this job is not tough, okay? But I think the one part that people underestimate a bit about what we do is the mental... Oh, my God. The mental part of it, it is taxing as hell because if you want to do good and you want to be good and you want to really do the best... You give a crap, so you're really trying, and sometimes, God dang it, you exhaust yourself yep. trying to figure it all out. You go home and you're just like, you're gassed because it's like, man, I, I didn't, I sat there and I just talked today, but it's like, the energy that I just put into this, it's like, boy, that like mentally exhausts you. And the way that I figured it out, and again, I don't know when it happened, but it's that moment, and you've lived this too, especially, it's the moment when you walk off and you're like, okay, that wasn't the best. But man, did I have fun. Yeah. And like the moment that you have fun with it, it's like, I don't care that it wasn't bad. Like, I know I'm prepared. I know that, you know, I slur the words together or I misspoke on something, but I knew I was prepared and I had a good time. And then you walked off, you're like, okay, okay, this is worth it. Like, that was the moment for me where I stopped trying to be so perfect, thinking that I was going to be Jack Buck in my entire career. And then I'm like, okay, that's not going to happen. Let's just be Alex Ferrario. Let's bring my personality onto the air. Have fun with it. Know that you're the hardest worker in the room, and then that's all you care about. Yeah, and and, and accepting sometimes, man, Like, because the big thing for me is when... um and I even had this this past Friday when we had um, Royal Blood come in. Yeah. And um, they they stopped in. They were great. But that is not an easy band to interview. They are just tough. And yeah. I don't know if it's because they're kind of British and a little um, uh, Monty Python-y, very dry, and, I, and maybe I don't completely get it. But when I interviewed them on Friday and went back and listened to it, I, I don't think I did a great job. Yeah. But... I was prepared. It just didn't go the way that I wanted it to go. But their performance was so great that I could have farted into the microphone for two minutes before that performance, and it would have been just fine. So it just, but it's like back in the day, I would have, mur- I mean, I would have been so oh, furious yeah. with myself for not making this. And I don't know what I was trying to even make it. Yep. You know what I mean? There's only so much that you can do with Royal Blood in St. Louis Mo. You know what I mean? Uh, Yeah. I'll never forget, Donnie. This is a... (coughs) When I was... This had to have been like my second or third year in the business. And I was was down covering it for KMOX, getting audio. I wasn't on pre and post that night. And so I was going into the locker room to get audio for the host. So for people that don't understand at Enterprise Center, like what happens is when the game is done... Everybody gets up and goes to the the elevator, and the elevator takes you down as the media, and then you go wait in the locker room for the players to come out. So this was a game that was Blues were leading, and then they blew the lead, and it was tied, and then it went into overtime, and the Blues won. So what happens there is guys like Jeremy Rutherford and Lou Korak and Matt DeFranks who write the game stories, they have to change everything. So typically, they're done with their story, ready to get up and go into the locker room, and then they're the ones asking the questions, and we're just there getting audio. So that happened, and none of them were there to go into the locker room. And so it was me and two television cameramen. 
And I was the only person down there that they looked at and said, are you going to ask questions? And it was, I mean, it was frightening. Yeah. And Jamie, uh, Donnie, no joke, I walked up to uh, Jay Bomeister, and he was the first one there, and it was a bad blues loss. And I walked up to him, and in my head, I'm going, okay, what am I going to ask? What am I going to ask? What am I going to You know you do that where you're, like, thinking too much about it. Stood there in front of Jay Bomeister, intimidating individual if you've ever met him, nice guy, very intimidating, and I blanked on my question. And I looked at him, and I don't even remember what came out of my mouth, but I mumbled something, and he looked at me, and he goes, was that even a question? And he didn't mean to be a jerk. Right. He was just saying, was that a question? And, Donnie, I cowered in the corner. I mean, it was probably like 30 seconds I asked a question, and then I just let him leave. And luckily, my saving grace, JR and Lou came in, and they were the ones that asked the questions. But it was that moment that you just said where I was like, I I beat myself up for an entire week, and it's like, I can't do this anymore. Nah, man. But it's like, you push yourself, and then the next time you go down there, and then you ask the question, and God bless some of these Blues players, man, because some of those guys like Alexander Steen or Braden Shem, David Backus at the time, man, I could have sat there and butchered something for a good 15 minutes, and they would have answered it like I asked the question as professional as possible. Yeah, I had one of the, I, I had that, I had one of those, was that even a question with Les Claypool from Primus? Oh my God. But he was, he was not trying to be nice about it. <laughs> <laughs> like, it, it was just, it was just, uh, it, it was just, Oh, all right. This isn't going to be fun for me. Where are we going to go now, man? This is awkward. All right, so a few things here. Um, one, I watched yesterday um, Tory Krug and his first uh, chatting with the media yeah. since the you know since the off season and the trade request. And here's a couple of my just first thoughts. One, I thought that he handled. That little scrum, incredibly well. Obviously, he had time to prepare for it, but he came off as a guy that legitimately wants to be here, wants to be in St. Louis, wants to be a part of the community. There's that. The second thing I thought of is there is virtually no chance, unless Jesus Christ has a hockey team, that this man is going to wave his no trade clause and go somewhere else. I don't. I mean, did you kind of sort of get that vibe that like that dude's not going anywhere? Yeah. That it wasn't just Philadelphia. That it was like it didn't matter. You know, the part that hit me when Tory Krug talked was, and this is always the part that I fall victim to, and I know fans fall victim to it as well because you're a fan, like you see them as the athlete, but it's the human element of it. And I guess I can say this now because I have two kids at home, and it was when he said, "Like I got a family, I got a wife, I got kids. We're we're, we're comfortable here." Yeah. And Joey always puts this into perspective for me on the broadcast, and of course Jamie does as well. He's played like you forget that. When you sign the contract, you kind of settle down and you say, let's start a family. And then you start having kids and then you're putting your kids into daycare and then you're going to school. And when Tory Krug said, like, look, I got a family. I've got kids. We love St. Louis. It, it, it strikes you a little bit more where you're like, yeah, this guy just doesn't want to leave. And look, he did nothing wrong. And I know Blues fans understand that. But, you know, there's that small group that looks at it and say, ah, Tory Krug screwed over the Blues. No, Tory Krug was an undrafted free agent that made a name for himself as one of the better defensemen in the league, and he earned that no-trade clause. Now, you can have your opinions on Doug Armstrong and the no-trade clauses that he hands out, but if you go back in your time capsule, if you if you hop in that car, Tory Krug was the second-best available defenseman when Alex Petrangelo went to Vegas, Right, and that's where the Blues went. Tory Krug had a bad year last year. 
he would tell you that. He was injured. It, it didn't go well defensively. I could say the same thing for about 15 other guys on that Blues team. Yeah. But I always go back to the year prior, and this is what Doug Armstrong's basing everything off of. That year prior, Tory Krug was top 25 in points among defensemen. Tory Krug was top 15 among plus-minus among defensemen. Tory Krug had 20 power play points. Tory Krug was a point-per-game player in the postseason before he got injured and then went into the offseason, and then it just never really was the same for him. So that's the Tory Krug that I remember, and I think that's the Tory Krug that's going to be motivated. We all remember Vladdy, the the outside noise of the rumors he wanted to be traded and it didn't happen and he wasn't happy with the team. What did he do that next season? He had his best year scoring 82 points and basically set himself up for what was going to be a really good free agency. Now, he didn't have the best season the year prior, and then, of course, he went to New York, and now we're we're at. But I don't view this as Tory Krug put the Blues in a bad spot. I I view this as Tory Krug invoked what he had the ability to do with that no-trade clause, and Tory Krug now puts a chip on his shoulder in terms of proving that he wants to be here. He said he wants to be here. He said he's got a great relationship with Doug Armstrong. He talked about how he wants back in the playoffs. If there's one dude on this team that I'm going to back when it comes to motivation, it's Tory Krug because we've seen him do this before. Okay, so one of the th- the things that I love about watching about watching Tory Krug play is the way in which that he can quarterback that power. Play. Absolutely. It's freaking I mean, he's one of the best. Dude, it is a thing of beauty. But also, and again, this is a much smaller sample size, I understand. So, Blues fans, please sit back down when I say this. But we have, and we've talked about it a lot, another guy that's really good at that in Scott Perunovic. So, how do you see the six shaking out with two guys that are super talented, but pretty similar in style, but I would think that they're so talented that they're both dressed every night. Yeah. I mean, well, Krug obviously is dressed every night, but Perunovic is dressed every night too, right? Yeah, uh, this is this is the part that I just am so curious about how the season goes because the way I look at it, you can have Tori Krug and Scott Perunovic play in your top six. I mean, there is nothing wrong with having a Krug-Perunovic power play. That's awesome. That's Now great. I take Falk off the power play so he can focus on five-on-five and penalty kill. I can worry I have Pareko and my other defensemen be on the penalty kill. The factor in all of this is Nick Letty. Can you survive with those three left-handed defensemen on the ice for you? They're not big. There and I'm going to reference what Craig Button said, who was on with um, uh, BK and Ferrario about a month ago. He said the Blues aren't intimidating in front of their own net. That's what mm, Craig Button pointed out. He yeah. said teams aren't afraid to go to the front of the That's net. That's a great point. Now you can change that. I mean, look, it, it's not about being physical. First of all, Tory Krug is very physical. Tory Krug likes to play that gritty style. He's a little bastard. He is. We <laughs> hated him in Boston, yeah, right? Yeah, now yeah. he's just great. Yeah, but like. Letty and Perunovic don't have to be the physical presence. They've got to move the puck quickly out of the zone. I'll tell you, the first preseason game, I loved Scott Perunovic. I thought he played amazing with Colton Pareko. This last game with Justin Falk, he was good. He wasn't to the level he was with Pareko, but that's how preseason goes. You're working on certain things. There's a place for Perunovic and Krug in the lineup every single night. But is there a place for Perunovic, Krug, and Letty every single night? Because those are three guys that probably aren't going to be used on the penalty kill. Those are two guys that are offensive-minded. Nick Letty is a very good two-way defenseman. But my question when you say those three in the lineup, who's on your penalty kill? It's Pareko. It's Falk. It's probably the other right-handed defenseman. 
Bortuzzo, um, Tucker, if he's playing that side. But if you've got Krug, Letty, and Perunovic, where's Scandella playing? Now, Scandella's been skating on the right side. Does Scandella become a, a third-pair right-handed defenseman? You've got a lot of bodies that are all, that at least two of the three, the offensive-minded defensemen. Falk is that way as well. Five on five, it's great. But what happens when you need them on specialty team, special teams? What happens when you need them to shut down late into a game? That's the dilemma that I think they're in. But to have Perunovic and Krug in the lineup, a lot of teams do that. Now, one of them is probably a third-pair defenseman. The other's playing in your top six. The question is always who's playing with Colton Pareko. All right, so one of the things that um, that I really, and it was a very small thing and something that me as a Blues fan just am probably blowing way out of proportion. Uh, we do that all the time. But there is a moment in when, when in the presser with, with Krug where he talks about the forward group being deep and being like big. Sp- big. Yes. And that to me is incredibly exciting to hear Tory Krug say that. Now, one thing that I did want to ask, and I thought about this after we chatted the last time, Alex, was can any of, say, some of these younger forwards, the 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 Bulldukes, the the neighbors, the would any of those guys later on in the season are are those guys at a point where they can help at the trade deadline if if maybe the, the, the fit here doesn't look perfect, or do you see maybe any of these guys as being potentially uh, something to dangle if the Blues need to like try to get, a de- uh, to, to get a defenseman or something along those like lines? Like the younger players. Yeah, yeah that's a good question. I, I mean, it really depends on what direction the Blues are going and how those younger guys look. Like the two that are going to pop out to people are Bolduc and Dean. Those are going to be two guys that if you're talking about making trades for something that benefits you in the long term, it's going to be one of those two guys. I don't see it happening right now because there's a lot of optimism for those two players, specifically when you're talking about Verona and Kapanen being free agents and you don't know if they're back, that's Bullduke and Dean positions that could be stepping in there. Makes a lot of sense. I mean, you're not trading Snuggerud. You're not trading Dvorsky. Those are guys that I would imagine are off limits if you're the Blues. It really comes down to how those players perform this season in the minors because uh, Bullduke, there's still a chance that he or Dean can make this NHL roster. It's just very crowded in terms of NHL players that are trying to make it. Bullduke and Dean are probably going to go through the same thing neighbors went through, where last year it was you go to the minors and you play top minutes as a top winger, top centerman, to see how that translates, to see if you can get closer to the NHL. Now, if the Blues look like they're competitive next season and all that's missing is a top left-handed defenseman to play with Colton Pareko, yeah, I can absolutely see the Blues looking at this and saying, okay, we've got a ton of forwards right now in our system that we're excited about. Bullduke, Dean, Snugger, Dvorsky, uh, Simone Robertson is one of these guys. You just drafted this Otto Stenberg. We could trade from that. You've got a ton of left-handed defensemen, too, that could be top four, top six defensemen in the NHL. That's where you could deal from. But all of that hinders on the Blues being competitive this year. If they look like the team that looked last year, they won't be doing that. Instead, they'll be trading off pieces that they have for more assets to continue this retool. They're going to be trading off players with term, players Kapanen, that are making money. Verana, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Blay, the free agents that you're going to be trading away. Scandella, who would be a free agent, that could be somebody. All of it really is hindered by how the Blues perform this season. You could do what you did last year and trade off assets to get picks, or you could bring something in because, look, there's going to be defensemen available. I mean, Calgary is the most intriguing team to me right now of what they're going to do. If Lynn Holmes is going to walk, Noah Hannafin's an unrestricted free 
free agent? Does he get traded at the deadline? What does Calgary want right now? There are going to be guys at the deadline, but if you're 10 games or 10 points out of a playoff spot, Doug Armstrong reads the writing on the wall. And I mean, he has stated that this is if he's going off of the LA Kings terms, this is a three year retool. And last year was year one. And so you're continuing this. He even said it with Randy on the 101 Sports on uh, Channel 2. He said the way he views this roster is what he views the roster when he first joined the Blues in 2010. That was the year they missed the playoffs. The next year they missed the playoffs. And then the next year they went on their playoff run of consistently being in the postseason and getting to the second round. So if that's the case, Doug Armstrong has said this is like transitioning into a new core, a new era. If that's the window he's going, if you're competitive, you can you can fast forward that. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Any other things that you are seeing in the preseason game so far of note player-wise for good, for bad? Kevin Hayes watched him the last night against Columbus, and Donnie, I love this dude. I love this dude. We remember that puck possession era of the Blues where, and Joey mentioned Pat Maroon was this way. He's not the same player, but Jaden Schwartz was this way also. Schwartz was smaller and faster. Hayes is a big dude. Dude, you can't get the puck off his stick. He, along with Verona and Blay, had a shift last night against Columbus. No joke, Donnie, was a good 90 seconds, if not two minutes, in the offensive zone of just cycling the puck. Hayes would have it, bump off the board, spin around, pass it off. They even got three new bodies on the ice while maintaining puck possession. You want to talk about getting me excited? Yeah, yeah. Buddy. I love the idea of Kevin Hayes. I think he was like 40-something percent of face-offs in that first game. He looks like the perfect option at third-line center next season, or this season. And, like, remember, last season it was Logan Brown playing third-line center. So, like, Kevin Hayes is an 11-year veteran, and if you can't get the puck off his stick, man, welcome to puck possession. So, he's one that absolutely stuck out to me. I want to see more of him. Um, Defensively, I've liked what they've done. It's still preseason, and you haven't really played competitive teams but they have kept it somewhat to the outside. They got to shoot the puck a lot more. Last night, I think it was four shots in the second and third period combined. Even Berube said, "Like you got, we got to start." He doesn't want 
quantity over quality. He wants quality, but you also have to put more than four shots on goal, he said. And then the one element that people should talk a little bit more about with this Blues team is their goaltending depth. Uh, Bennington, he only played one period, but uh, Bennington's going to be fine. Bennington's going to go where his defense goes. We all know and are excited about Joel Hofer. We saw him last year. Dude, Malcolm Subban in two games so far in the preseason has been the best player on the ice. Like Malcolm Subban has been robbing the other night against Columbus. I mean, he stopped at least three for sure goals in front of the net and killed off a penalty kill himself. Um, So Malcolm Subban, who's probably going to be the AHL starting goaltender or the goaltender with Vadim Zarenko, but you talk about depth. You've got Bennington and Hofer. If, and I'm knocking on as much wood as possible, something happens because we all know how seasons go. Malcolm Subban, who is an NHL veteran, looks really good. And then you've got this young kid, Vadim Zarenko, excuse me, that a lot of the Blues personnel are really excited about. He's probably going to be the the 1B, 1A with Malcolm Subban in the minors next year. And I'm not even talking about Colton Ellis, who they're super excited about. So That's right. I forgot about him, I mean, too. He had like the shutout record, I think, in his junior team. Last year, he played in the ECHL, so uh, maybe he gets some AHL time this year, but... I mean, I just mentioned five goaltenders. Five. That's that's a lot of dudes. Now, look, Colton Ellis isn't ready for the NHL. Vadim Zarenko got a taste of it last year, but I would imagine they want him to do what Hofer did last year of being in the minors and be the number one guy. But that's four dudes that could play in an NHL yeah. game if you absolutely need them to. So goaltending-wise, and actually Luke Korak and I were talking about this on Saturday, in terms of goaltending duos, I really wonder if the Blues have the best duo of goaltenders in terms of puck moving because Joel Hofer's really good at it and we all saw the impact that Jordan Bennington had in that Minnesota Wild Series in the playoffs two years ago you might have that benefit going for you also so I like what the Blues are doing in that aspect boy and it's so um you know for a team and and you can you can attest to this for a team that for years and years <laughs> I know where you're going and years oh. and years was looking for that goaltender yeah to sort of look back there and go, whoa, boy, we got a lot of choices. That's friggin' great. And then also, too, if any one of these guys kind of develops, then you've got, I, I mean, there's a lot of ways you can go with this, man. It's not like goaltending is, good goaltending is grown on trees everywhere. I say, you want to know what all NHL teams want? Yeah. A goaltender who could play for them. Okay, so then here's the thing, though. All right, so... Tell me about uh, the, the the Russian gentleman. The, the goal. Zarenko. Okay, so will he get more of the games in Springfield or will Subban? No, I, it really comes down to my guess is they're going to probably do a 50-50 split. And typically what they do is they'll they'll have another goaltender there too who could get some reps also. Like they've got three guys. Okay. Um, but I, I, I would say you're going to lean more towards Malcolm Subban because this is only the second season for Vadim Zarenko in the minors, and I can look it up and see what he did. But, I mean, Zarenko was good last year for the St. Louis Blues, but my guess is going to be that they're going to view this as uh, Malcolm Subban is going to be the number one guy, but Vadim Zarenko is going to be getting plenty of playing time. So last year he played 25 games for Springfield, and a lot of this was because Joel Hofer had come up and down for the St. Louis Blues. Um, And in 25 games in his first season in the NHL, 3-1-4 goals against average and a 9-13 save percentage. So, I mean, I I would probably say the sweet spot for Zarenko this season in Springfield Probably going to be somewhere between 35 and 45 games. So, yeah, you're talking about 50% with Malcolm Subban. Man, this is something else. I'm so excited for hockey. So, I have done some poor planning here. I want to let you know of a couple things in which that I have planned very poorly. Okay. One, um, 
I'm super excited about the Bills game on Sunday against the Dolphins. Absolutely. I also accepted tickets to the Cardinal game on Sunday, not even thinking that the Bills and the Dolphins were playing. Are they are they the afternoon game or are they the evening game? Yeah, they're the noon game. Uh, <laughs> and the people in which that have asked me to go to the ball game uh-huh. are amazing, and so there's absolutely no way that I can go back to them and say, hey, I'm going to skip Bills this game. for a football game that's game number four of the season. All right? <laughs> So uh, I planned that out very poorly. Also, on October the 14th, the night of the Blues home opener, mm-hmm. um, I have agree- I um, am very good friends with the St. Louis band Fragile Porcelain Mice. I love them. They're amazing people. I love watching them play. I, they're just wonderful. And they are playing at Pops that night, and I agreed to MC that show months ago. Oh, so, um, baby. So, uh, listen, I love Fragile Porcelain Mice and Sinister Dane and 33 on the Needle, who I'm going to see. But it is going to be very difficult to be paying attention to that while the Blues are playing their home opener. And then also, too, I guess I'm probably going to be one of those guys at the ball game that yep. has the football game on my phone. Yep, you have to. I mean, there's no and other. Everybody there will understand it because it is a Sunday and it's the last Cardinals game of the season. But there's not much relying on it. Yeah, everyone's gonna understand. But I kind of like. But also, too, dude, I and I feel really like kind of bad for even saying this and admitting this. This it's okay. Nobody's I, listening to the podcast, right? <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> Edit it in post, dude. I have not been to a Cardinal game this year. I haven't either. And I don't remember the last year that I didn't go to a game minus. Yeah. Uh, COVID related. My wife asked me that the other day. She's like, she's like, we haven't gone to a Cardinals game this season. I said, no, we haven't. And I said, unfortunately, it's it's how the season went. Now, yeah. I do regret not going at least once because it would have been cool to take the girls there. We took my daughter there last year, her first time. But, yeah, I, I mean, it's weird, that dynamic, because typically I like to go to at least two or three of them, and yeah. I haven't gotten the chance to. Sometimes it's been just life when you got a toddler and a newborn at home. But the other side of it is like making time to do that. Like you're setting aside stuff to make sure you go to that game. And that's the part where it's like, okay, the the, the desire to get out there. That's the question. Well, And also too, man, and I don't mean to, to sound like this, but like the, the, the money aspects of it, man. Oh, like, God, yeah. Like even if it's just me and Dexter or me and Ava, like, like not even talking about bringing Mary who likes to have him adult <laughs> beverages when we go to the game, but like even if it's just me bringing the, the kids, man – you're not getting out of there any less than 50 bucks. Oh, my God. For for just the food part of everything. And, like, it just gets to be the point, man. And I, I don't feel like I'm a cheap person, but you go, I just don't know that that's the best way for us to spend our loot right now. Any new parents listening, they can understand what I'm about to say. Every time my wife and I want to do something, I look at her and I say, you know how many diapers we can buy for that? Oh, my because God. Because let me tell you, diapers are freaking expensive. And are both of your girls still in diapers? Still in diapers. Oh, dude. And the one we're starting to potty train, and right. the other one is like, I mean, she's one, so she's going to be there for another two right. years. But, I, I mean, like, I and I hate it because it's like you got to be able to take your wife out and go out and do stuff. But it's like, I always look at her and I was like, man, we got to buy diapers this month. And it's ridiculous that you have to say that, but welcome to the world we're at where it's like, man, I got to get diapers. And those are expensive well, in itself. Well, and I just remember, I remember when Ava and Dexter were both in diapers. They're about 14 months, six, 14, 15 months apart. And I just remember just being like, this is the biggest scam oh in the God. entire face of the universe yeah. that these damn things are this goddamn expensive and we got to go through, through so many Did of them. Did you ever have the internal battle where you're looking at it and it's like, okay, that diaper's full. 
but it's not really full. <laughs> but am I a bad dad if I say stay in your your bodily fluids for an extra 15 minutes because I don't want to throw this diaper away? No, no. The people that said, hey, you should do the cloth diapers. Oh, Those yeah. are the crazy people. My mom tried to give me these. I said, mom, you're insane. The, 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 no. no. I'll just pay. I, I'll yes. stop bitching about how much they cost and just pay for them because yeah. there's no way I'm dealing with the leaks and all of that kind of stuff. I'm already doing the potty training right now. There's the leaks. Could you imagine doing it for two years prior to that with those leaks? Hey, the people that do the cloth diapers, God yeah, bless you. Yeah, go. But no yeah, yeah, yeah. bleeping way. Yeah, I shouldn't. I You know, you do you no, and, but and be happy with like, it. But. I'm, I'm with you, though. Like, uh, y'all are crazy that can pull that off because, my gosh. It's so crazy, Alex, because we are, parent-wise, we're on different ends yeah. of the spectrum. Uh-huh. And that you've got the diaper situation going on and 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 potty training, and I've got one dealing with a bully, oh, and, I've got, and I've got another one um, who is an absolute great kiddo, but always has some kind of, you know, high school drama yep. stuff. Yep. That, that, you know? So yep. it's just, we are in... We are in different parts of the old uh, parenting scheme here. Man. It's 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 benefit for me because I could pick your brain. It's bad for you because I'm just bringing up all the easier life <laughs> memories of like, oh, I'll take diapers over bullying any day of the week, ah, dude. I but the thing is though, man, is I miss very much. And Mary and I talk about it all the time, like having a little kid around the house. Like yeah. it is really weird that. You know, like, we have not watched an episode of SpongeBob SquarePants in our house in a really long time. And you know what, dude? I think that sucks because I love SpongeBob SquarePants. Yep. So, like, it's just very different. And then there are, like, times where I miss the 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 being a dad to a little kiddo. But then, man, like, you know, like when they would get sick oh, and, like, all of that mm-hmm. kind of stuff, man, I just I don't the, miss that in the slightest. And the stress never goes. And, like, welcome to Parenting 101 with Donnie and I. Yeah. The stress never goes because you're dealing with the ultimate stress right now of sending your kid to school when you're dealing with bullies and all that stuff, which, I mean, I despise. But then it's like the stress when you've got the toddlers, too. For me, I mean, they go to an incredible daycare. But every time I drop them off, I'm like, oh, I'm leaving these kids with like a stranger, yeah. you know, and, and it's like the stress is always there, which I mean, my parents still stress about me and I'm 33 years old. Right. So it's like, I know it's always there, but I, I love that stage of where they're at now, just because you're kind of seeing the world through their eyes. And like, as a sports fan, like for me, it's tough because I'm at hockey games all the time, but like when they were born, when our when our youngest was born, Adelaide was one year old, and so I would work from home for a couple of Blues games. And let me tell you, it was really exciting when there was a Blues game, and I'd sit her on the couch with me, and she'd watch, and it's like, Daddy, hockey. She does it with baseball, and now she's getting into football. So, like, what you have with Dexter and Ava and your kiddos, where they, like, love that stuff with you, I'm getting there now, and I am so freaking excited. So all of the stress that comes with it, man, do I love the other side of it also. Now, just wait, though. There will be a point where your wife and your girls, no matter what, and it wouldn't have to be this way if they were girls. It could be any combination of the sexes. But as a sports fan, you will go to turn on the TV in the living room to a game, and you will hear a collective, oh. Oh, Donnie, I'm living that now. Have you seen those viral memes? of? uh, It's the picture of the dad, and it's a picture taken of the dad laying on the couch with his phone above his head, and there's a big 72-inch television on the wall, and it says, paid so-and-so dollars for the big television to watch Sunday football, and he's watching it on his phone while, you know, Disney princesses are up. That's my life now. (laughs) I turn it on, and my daughter's like, 
No football, daddy. Bubble guppies. Bubble guppies, daddy. I'm like, son of a, okay, so I'll watch it like this. And then she wants the phone. It's like, okay, cool. No football for daddy. No football. Fine. Well, uh, what do we got next for our Blues? How many more preseason games? Uh, I think there's, so they play eight total and they've done three, so five more. They play Thursday against Chicago. So we'll see if we're Connor Bedard mania. Uh, I know. Saturday, I believe it's Columbus again. I think they're either in. In Columbus for that one, and then they're back here on Monday. So kind of jamming them all together. I, I think they wrap up like the week leading up to October 10th. So they have a good chunk of time before that before first that first preseason game. And we'll find out if if they cut guys from their roster. Like typically around now, I would maybe after Thursday's game, that's when you start to see some of the guys. Um, that go back to junior hockey, guys that go back to college, if that's where they're at. Uh, maybe a couple of guys just get cut and get their unconditional release. But I, I would imagine sometime before the end of this week, maybe going into the weekend, you'll see that roster get trimmed from, I think it's like 59 or 60, to around 45 or so. Because now you can isolate it to two groups. Now you can really start honing in on special teams play, and you can divvy up those two groups for the road and the home games. But there are still some road games to be played since they've done two of the three at home. So uh, plenty more action coming your way, and I would imagine we'll see some significant names tomorrow against Chicago. Boy, and I'll tell you, that Connor Bedard thing is such a – like, it's such a two-faced thing for me because, like, part of me cannot wait to see the kid play. I know. Like, I can't wait. But then also, too, he's going to be a friggin' nightmare for, yep. like, the next 15 years. I know. We uh, we did the draft show together, Donnie, and I yeah. remember the hatred that was in your eyes for that one. But I, I, I'm excited because it's going to be cool to have what could be the next Connor McDavid in the Central Division. But, man, do I bleep and hate that. I hate the idea of a dude is going to be put up. The, but the part that I'm satisfied with is Chicago still got some time? Yeah, Chicago like Bedard might put up eighty points this season, but Chicago still has a few years before they get to that competitive window. And my hope is by the time Chicago enters that window, the Blues are already settled into that winning window again with their core because their core is older yep. than what Chicago's got. And we all know you might have all the talent in the world, but sometimes winning comes with experience rather than the talent. I don't know that there is a more smug fan base in sports than Chicago Blackhawk fans. Like, they will start having egos about being good well before they're good. Nashville's that way, too. Oh, God. But I don't like, like Nashville. You're right. and But th- here's a difference, too. I feel like the Hawks fans at least know hockey a little bit better, and the Nashville fans, I feel like they're just talking to talk. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? No, you're not like wrong. sometimes when I'm running my mouth, maybe even right now, <laughs> I'm just running it to run it. But like I feel like the Predator fans are like that. And Brooke has told me that she wants me to go to a game in Nashville. Well, you can't Jamie get said in. it. You're too. a St. Louis person. Dude, I You gotta have a Nashville area code to get in. I should not even admit this and be okay with it, but I just don't know that I could go there and not chirp. A lot. Oh, you have to. Like, like I think I would start chirping at the hotel. <laughs> I, I mean, I would chirp on the way there. I would chirp while I was there. I, like, I just, I, I hate that. It, and even now, even I hate that jersey. That stupid jersey. That stupid logo. Also, too, were there predators? That, what, was that particular cat ever in Tennessee? Maybe they were. <laughs> yeah. Somewhere along yeah, the way. the caveman era. It was based in Nashville, Get Tennessee. Just absolutely 
absolutely ridiculous. How excited are you that the uh, former captain of the Blues and Stanley Cup champions wearing it? It hurts my soul. Yeah. Because I love Ryan O. I know. Like, I love him, man. But, like, that is... That that, that, boy, that, yep. that dude's got to be in, in heaven, though, considering he's in, like, the hotbed for, for music and the yeah. type of music Ryan O'Reilly likes. So I can't wait to see him to find out how excited he is. Like, obviously, you miss him desperately here in St. Louis, but man, that dude's got to be thrilled to be in Nashville. You know, and I don't know if I'm supposed to say this, but I don't think it'll be that big of a deal. But so I'm I'm friends with the, um, th- this wonderful cat uh, named Max, who's a lead singer of a Canadian band called Arkells. A freaking unbelievable band. A band that in Canada sells out 20, 25,000 seat football stadiums, but down here yeah. it's just not the same. Max and Ryan are very friendly and have been for quite a while. And Max would always tell me that, like, one of the things that Ryan did, like, religiously on the road was always having that guitar with him and always, like, kind of going back to his room solo. And then he would, like, send Max, like, him picking these songs on and, like, this whole thing. So, like, I just thought that that was super fascinating as well because, man, I think that that, again, kind of – goes to the mental aspect of these players, man, that they need that away from the rink. I don't know what O'Reilly is going to do when he calls it a career. And, I mean, my man's probably going to have a good four to five more years of a career for how how good he is and how important he is to a locker room. Uh, But if he's not some type of skills slash mental slash assistant coach for an NHL team, he's doing it wrong. Because if there is one person, I don't know if he'd want to be a head coach because there's so much that goes into it. Not that there's not a lot that goes into assistant coaching, but if he's not helping the players in the NHL, like beyond his playing time, man, is is that group of players missing out? Because Ryan O'Reilly would be the perfect player to like hire as somebody who works with your young players in the minor league system because yeah. that dude knows what it takes to be a pro. And I mean, you can have your opinions of Ryan O'Reilly for what the last year was or for what he was in St. Louis, but he was a pro. And man, are the Blues going to miss that? Yeah, and I, 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 I man, if you've got something gnarly to say about Ryan O'Reilly, I. <laughs> Don, Don, you might not be able to to breathe after Donnie handles you. Dude, I mean, just come on. I mean, what the hell do you want? You know what I'm saying? You like, saw the hat he wore in the parade, right? How do you hate that guy? Dude, you can't. All right, so listen, my throat is just absolutely you're, you're dying, me. Donnie. I gotta, we got to wrap this up. You told me to carry this today because you were dying. I think I brought it all right I, today. You brought it, man. I was going to say, I feel bad for your throat now. That's all right, though. I'm going to go on the radio, though, and screw it up. So it'll be just fine. <laughs> just another day. For our homies, uh, Jamie Rivers and Jeff Burton, <laughs> Alex Ferrario, and Donnie Fandango, it's the Last Minute Blues Podcast. Thanks for listening. And as always, let's go Blues. The Last Minute Blues Podcast. Hear more at 1057thepoint.com.